Hey everyone, it's Amber Love from AmberUnmasked.com and joining me today we have the creative team behind Crazy Mary, which is a a new generation of an older project and I saw it on Kickstarter and of course all over Twitter. And um, so I'm so happy to have Mike and JK here with me, you guys. Thanks for, for coming aboard. Oh, thank oh. you. My pleasure. Um, so when I remember back back in the day when JK and I had been talking and he said something about this crazy Mary thing, I thought it was a horror story. I had no idea. I was just like, this is not something that I'm ever going to read because it'll probably scare the crap out of me. And then I, you know, then all of a sudden, you know, about last fall, there was more Crazy Mary talk, and the last two, three weeks on Twitter have been blown up with Crazy Mary because of the Kickstarter, and I saw Dean Stahl's pinup, and it, it was uh, colored by, by our friend Josh Finney, and um, it was just so stunning. I, I said, okay, well, let me take another look at this because it doesn't look terrifying at this point. So, so I was just really happy because the kind of shows that I like are Castle and Rizzoli and Isles, where you've got characters like Kate Beckett and Jane Rizzoli, who are very badass, modern women, and, um, you know, it's just one of those things where when it comes to comics and, and movies that sometimes we often don't get a, a modest female character that's, you know reasonable looking that's not like filled with giant stripper boobs and running in high heels. You know? <laughs> okay. True. True. So, um, so, Mike, tell us a little bit of the backstory then behind what Crazy Mary really is. Uh, well, the uh, origins of Crazy Mary go all the way back to like 1999, actually. Um, uh, I had, a friend of mine had heard that there was like uh, someone that was pitching, uh, they were taking like pitches for an action television show. You know, there was supposed to be a cable network that was going to be coming out called, like, the Action Network or something. And uh, I I created Crazy Mary because I, I love the cyberpunk stuff. I put it all together, yeah, because I love action, too. I, and she was just a kick-ass girl, bounty hunter, you know, with some cyberpunk overtones. But it needed a little extra twist, and that's um, where I came up with the idea about her vision. And maybe this is where you got the impression that it was kind of a horror thing because the stuff she sees is pretty bizarre and surreal. And um, I, I felt it was an interesting combination of, like, you know, cyberpunk action and, like, the supernatural element that you don't usually get. So uh, that, that's kind of where I started. And uh, then uh, a friend of mine, Lou Anders, who's uh, editor of Pyre Books, him and I uh, went to Comic-Con one time, and we decided we were both going to write comic scripts to do a comic book. Each of us do a comic book. And I adapted Crazy Mary to that, to the comic uh, format, because the Action Network thing never happened. And that's how it started. And I wound up uh, writing several stories and just kept going from there. Hey, the year you did that, was that the year I met you when I came in from Germany? No, we didn't meet each other, I think, until like, I think it was like 2000. It might have been 2000, right, okay. it might have been the year after. So you did, did you have Trail of Tears that long before then? Um, Yes, as a matter of fact, I did. <laughs> okay, because, yeah, I, I had known you a day before you showed me Trail of Tears. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were at the Baja Rock and Lobster, I think, when we started doing trading of scripts and images and everything like that. Right. That's where these things happen, yeah. I mean, that's what I've always been told by by the mentors that, that I get to work with in a workshop is, you know, the comic conventions themselves are sometimes so insane and loud that you can't talk and have an actual conversation. Other than hi, nice to meet you. Here's my card. 
yeah, you, know, exactly. you, you get back to, to the after party and, and maybe there's a little bit more time or, or in the hotel or something just in passing. It's, it's a, a calmer it, it, it always does seem like that because, you know, I mean, the real, it seems like the real business is done, you know, at the drinking bar after the Comic-Con, you know, yeah. after the convention. Each, each All the best business is done in bars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I mean that's that's definitely where the real stuff goes. You got the networking there, and then you you do the follow up and the real talking afterwards. So. But yeah, we got all like minded people gathered in the same spot, so it's very you know it's a great opportunity. Yeah, it definitely is. So how long are you planning the series to be? For as long as it goes, I designed Crazy Mary to be open ended. Um, I definitely have like big plot points and, you know, big story arc stories, but I tailored it that I could do lots of little stories in between. I mean, I built the whole world up, so I could just go in many, many different directions, and uh, I have lists of ideas and different story concepts that uh, are just sitting there waiting to go, so I'll do it as long as people will read it, essentially. And But you're going to have nice, um, you know, contained arcs um, for for people that need to ever jump on at at a given point? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think nowadays that structure is definitely the structure you got to use, and uh, you know, you put it together like it, it won't take much to figure out what's going on if you just jump on at a later point. You know, um, visually, and J.K. helped me with this. Visually, you know, there, there's some very significant clues. It's very easy to follow what's happening to her shortly there. You know, as soon as you look at it, so it doesn't take very long to, to grok into what's going on. And, uh, yeah, you, it's designed so you can just jump in just about any story. Okay, that's awesome. Why don't you, um, like I said, I, I really started getting picking up the steam that was coming through Twitter, and it was by, you know, people that I've known through uh, Comic Geek Speak, like Dean Stahl and Bill Blankenship and Josh Finney. I mean, these are all guys that I know because of, of the Comic Geek Speak show. So who, it just seems like so many people are involved in the project that you're doing specifically with this Kickstarter campaign. So who do you have? What's, what's going on? JK, you want to weigh in? I mean, JK and I have known each other for years, but, yeah. um, well, it, uh, I'm, I'm, go ahead. Uh, as, as far as what, how this all started is, is, um, Mike showed me a script a long time ago for a 12 page uh, story called Trail of Tears. And that was actually published uh, I think it was like 2000 when we met and I immediately started on it because it was a good visual script and it was something I wanted to do and it was something I did back then for free just just uh, before I had a career or something to, to kind of launch my career I was hoping and, and it, it did turn out to do that. I think it was around 2003, wasn't it, that we actually got it published um, through digital webbing uh, and through an anthology through that company. Um, and... I guess um, that that's going to be included in this, right? Is yeah. Currently, yeah. uh, yeah. Trail of Tears is free on uh, the website, the, the new colored version from uh, Josh, and uh, it's going to be the the first story in the graphic novel too. Okay, and that's the um, basically the creative team is that J.K.'s doing the the interiors and the inks, and Josh is doing the coloring and lettering. Well, that's I got several artists, like you said, William Blankenship and another guy named Ryan Sargent, who take him on story duties. William's done a couple of these stories in the graphic novel, and uh, Ryan Sargent's taken on the the big 35-page story that's at the core of it. Um, 
going back to kind of what your uh, question is, I, I think I've just been unbelievably lucky to have such an immense group of talented people that get what Crazy Mary is about and want to be part of it. I mean, you've seen the stuff that William Blankenship yeah. has done, and yeah. I mean, it's just sick. He's a perfect match, actually, for Crazy Mary and the weirdness of it, too. Yeah. You know, and of course, JK, the stuff that JK does is just on a whole different level. Um, so there's two stories by JK that are illustrated by JK, two or three from William Blankenship, and then Brian Sargent does uh, the big core story. And his stuff looks fantastic. He did Dre and Queen of Thieves, which was uh, with uh, Digital Weapon Presents. And he's done other stuff with uh, Sean Delaney. I think uh, Delta 51 was a graphic novel that he did, which was a lot of fun. And uh, he's a great artist. And um, I think everybody, I just, it's great to have these people that just are so good that want to be part and enjoy being part of this. So. It is. It's, it's, and, it, and it shows because um, the, the social networking that's going on, everybody it just seems very supportive of each other. And, you know, and then you've got all of their counterparts as well jumping on board and helping to spread the word. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. It, are you, are you self-publishing this? What's that? Are you self-publishing this when it's uh, ready? Uh, it, it's going to come out through Zero One Publishing, which okay. is uh, the company that I'm part of with Josh Finney and uh, Kat Finney. Okay. They, they, they started an imprint. Uh, the first thing out of it is Utopia. Actually, the first thing out of it was uh, New Breed, which was uh, an anthology comic that uh, had a story from Josh and me. Uh, Josh did the art on his, and Dean Stahl did the art on mine. And um, actually, J.K., did you see that one? That was uh, the Continue Yes story that you and I were going to do for Boom. Oh, right, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, before they shut down Cthulhu Tales, it was kind of tailored to be a Cthulhu Tales story, and then they shut down Cthulhu Tales. So, yeah, yeah. Dean Stahl took it on and did a killer job. It was, it was just, slightly altered from the original script, though, right? Yeah, it? yeah, it's been modified. It's been modified, but um, not that much, actually. Right. And... Uh, it, yeah, so uh, that was the first thing, and then Utopia is on pre-order right now at Amazon, which uh, when they, Josh and Kat got their the rights for that uh, comic reverted back to them, they immediately started work on it and get it out from there. And then it would be Crazy Mary, and then uh, World War Kaiju later this year. And uh, yeah, that's that's what our slate looks like at the moment, plus, you know, little things that come along. But zero one, one we're up and coming. Okay, that's great. Um, when we're talking about Mary and her her character and the way that her team sees her, um, you know that you're not supposed to call her Crazy Mary because that'll set her off. She doesn't like it. But um, would you just consider her powers? Are you allowed to say it without spoiling that she's got powers that they're technopaths, or is she just um, is she insane? <laughs> well, that's. The, the, one of the core concepts of Crazy Mary is the subjective nature of reality. So yeah. I try and keep it kind of uh, obscure. I, I don't want to actually come down heavily on one way or the other. There's that's what I was that picking up, yeah, from the Trail of Tears. That's, I was sort of picking that up. It's just, you know, sort of like the stories, the ghost stories that are out there. Is, yeah. You know, the, the, who's to say what this person is seeing if they are or if they aren't. So I, but at the same time, she seems to have the ability about capturing the, the criminals that she's after or whatever mm-hmm. her 
her assigned mission is. You know, she seems to have something even beyond that as far as um, her ability to know where they're going to be, what they're going to, you know, what to expect. Yeah, it's it's meant to be open to interpretation. Okay. Um, and that's, I mean, yes, no, maybe is essentially like kind of a catchphrase that yeah. uh, pops up constantly through all the stories. And, of course, that is about, you know, it can go in one of three directions at least. So there's never any solid answer. I think it's a little bit of all three columns, to be honest. But uh, something was done to her, tech, you know, she was actually modified in a, um, a project, a military project. So that's where the kickoff point for her weird vision started. You will you will see in in, in the scripts too that I thought was interesting when I first read it is she will get information through through hallucinations, um, and it will lead her to things. So you have to wonder is 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 there something to it? Um, but at the same time, they're just so crazy. <laughs> so you don't really know. Um, but but they're not useless, you know. So um, you know her her hallucinations like like in, in Trail of Tears there was the thread that led her to. Um, Literally a thread coming off of a teddy bear she found that um, right. led better where she needed to go. Right, and that was such a heartbreaking, you know, and yet happy ending type of story. Um, but that's what you know. When I when I read through Trail of Tears, I not only was I seeing J.K.'s artwork from Fallen Angel, you know, the similarities because they're both just you know done by by him, but then I started seeing similarities in these characters, and and I wanted to know if you saw those too, J.K. While you were working on it, because you know Leandra's this this dynamic female character, and yet she's flawed. Yeah. You know, and then we've got you know this new it's, new it's, new old character, Mary. It's, it's funny you make that comparison because um, actually, uh, Crazy Mary was first. I, I did that before Fallen Angel. Um, but when I was working on Fallen Angel, and I wasn't I wasn't thinking about it uh, consciously at the time, but there's something that felt very familiar about it. And somewhere around issue six, it finally kicked in. Like this, these are very these they could be sisters. Yeah. Uh, Leandra's not quite as nuts. <laughs> um, yeah. She's a, she's a little bit more put together, but she's she's emotionally a mess, you know, because of what she's been through. Um, so and and I actually came to Mike and I said, wouldn't this be a great crossover? You know. <laughs> I would love that. I would absolutely love that because I think, like you said, there's something sisterly where they, they, if they got in the same room, they're going to love each other but not get along necessarily. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) One one is science based, one is uh, religion based, but um, they kind of went through a similar thing. Um, They're kind of empowered by and disenchanted by that which empowers them. The blessing and the curse at the same time. Yeah. But it, it, it worked with, um, you know, with Fallen Angel and Illyria from Angel. That, you know, yeah. nobody nobody saw that coming, and it worked. Yeah, it's, 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 I would see that uh, a crossover with these two is a similar dynamic to that. I really uh, actually, it would be fun. To, it would just be fun to have those two talk for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All, all we have to do is put them across from the table from each other at uh, Fuhrer's bar and just let it happen. You know. <laughs> exactly. I, I think I think we've got I think we've got another story pitch now. In Just the like the paint, what what Mary's hallucination would look like when she looks at Leandra. I'm yeah, not even yeah, sure what yeah. it would be just yet, but 
Oh God! Oh well, I'm, <laughs> I think it would be pretty outrageous, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, J.K., so now you've also got, um, now that Fallen Angel's on, the, on a bit of a, a hiatus, you are working on this massive project with IDW, right? The Doctor Who and Star Trek? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so you've got uh, eight issues to deal with for that. So how are you um, making time with, with all of this? Well, first off, I've already done uh, two pages uh, for this. Well, if you count the 12 I did years ago, um, and I did two new pages for this, and the cover already. Um, and, and besides which, uh, I'm on a monthly schedule, even though it's fully painted, uh, for the Doctor Who Star Trek thing. So I'm only on it for seven more months. Um, <laughs> so Only seven more months. Only seven years. <laughs> seven months isn't that long, you know. I mean, it feels like a long time to have steady work for that long, but uh, yeah. But I mean, uh, it's not—it's not like a like I'm on a series either. But like like I said, a lot of the the new work um, I had for for this project I'd already done before it even went up on Kickstarter. Okay. So, yeah. So I I done a lot yeah. of it. When I was uh, not working as regularly. Mike, why why was um this the time to bring Crazy Mary back? Um. Well, she had sort of languished for a little bit because I was looking at uh, doing other projects and so forth. And then uh, Josh and Kat got involved. And, you know, when they wanted to start up uh, Zero One, I've been friends with them for years. And uh, actually, Josh and I collaborated. Well, he has his uh, book, Titanium Rain. And um, I did some of the pros, some of the supplemental material for the uh, the two uh, graphic novels. One of them's not out yet. But, um, you know, we became friends years ago through the course of Mary, because I gave them the Mary uh, comics. And uh, when they wanted to start up the new imprint, the first person they talked to was me that was outside of their circle, which is that. <laughs> so, yeah, they wanted Mary, and, you know, then we started uh, rolling with it again and going straight into it. And uh, there's a lot of life in her. I was just uh, trying to put her in, you know, like a low-key, you know, kind of hiatus. But uh, when they wanted to start doing it, then all of them started coming back in. So, Yeah, that's the story he's telling. The truth is he was in rehab. He just <laughs> <laughs> it was just a really long rehab. Oh, well, you know, drugs don't work. But, uh, yeah, he, he's out there in L.A. We expect it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's required, actually. It's part of the, part of the persona. But, uh, yeah, essentially, Josh and Kat wanted Crazy Mary, so it was a good time to restart it. And uh, she's been itching to actually come into it. So. To come back. Let's talk a little about the the industry. Let's you know, uh, you know, he's out there dealing with Hollywood, and you know, we're over here on the East Coast, J.K. and I. So, but let's talk about the industry as a whole with the the influx of uh, big blockbuster movies and everything needing franchise and you know, what is actually the most important thing to you for comics, for you know, these days? What's the most important thing about yeah. comics? Yeah. Um, I, what I think and I don't, is I really love the new paradigm that started with comicsology and everybody reading stuff you know, through their iPads and iPhones and stuff like that. Um, I think there's a lot of people that are fans of comics. They just don't realize it yet because they don't go into comic book stores or anything like that. And I like the idea of how it's kind of starting to get out of this little circle of, uh, you know, 
I don't mean it in a derogatory way, but I'm just going to use it as the same, like fanboys. Right. You know, it, it's reaching, theoretically, a lot of it's reaching a wider audience. So I really like the idea that there's this whole shift. And um, it's exciting. It's definitely exciting that uh, we're entering into this this phase of uh, distribution. We're going to get people that never have never even thought of looking at comics that are going to be into comics because there's so many different types now. You know, if they don't like Spider-Man, that's fine because there's a whole bunch of weird stuff that they've never seen before that's out and they can get easy access to it. Right. Well, that's I think true. that's one of the most exciting things. Yeah. It's actually a good point because it's it's uh, comics is uh is suffering from the same thing that uh, that uh, Star Trek was suffering from, and that's like the fans are kind of uh, taking it away from everybody else. You know, uh, it, it's kind of just for whatever reason, to mainstream gets turned off because they think it's part of this cult that they're not invited. Uh, and uh, yeah, I I feel like digital um, is is. Uh, Bringing it more to a mainstream, it's it's not. It'll never be as as like it was when I was a kid. You know, it'll never be in the grocery stores again. Though that would be nice. Um, yeah. Or, you know, the days of the spinner rack is gone. But I feel like digital is like the new spinner rack. You know, it, it's kind of it's out there where it's accessible to everybody. And there's so much that's available for free. I think. Yeah. That you know yeah. is at least well, at least a little bit of like you know. Yeah, web comics is. I think. It's like the best things for the industry because uh, more more uh, non comic fans that I know read web comics. You know, what are you, are you exactly. doing on something over there, Mike? Uh, no, no, I'm actually unwrapping my condor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting close to actually going into work here, but uh, <laughs> like eating shit. <laughs> I got I got this plastic stuff that's over my condor to keep it dry. So, but I'm done with that now. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, I, I agree with the, the web comics and everything, and you know, there's something for everybody, you know, and people just need to know that it's there. It, it well, it is, and that's why you know when I get to put in some hours at my local comic shop, and people sort of, you know, they'll be surprised that I don't know what's going on with Batman right now, and it's, and I'm like, well, because there's eight million other things to read, you know, and. Like you talked about bringing up Spider-Man, yeah. You take something like Spider-Man and compare it to Pride of Baghdad, and yeah, you know, right, just, right. I mean, they, they're they couldn't be farther apart. I, I also think that the um, the medium has reached like a, a a new stage in its uh, maturity. I know that sounds weird, and it's been going on for quite a bit, but. You know, we've come a long way from, like, the 1950s, you know, Superman stuff, which is fantastic. But then, as you bring up, like, Pride of Advent, I mean, I mean, that's just incredible stuff. And to see it in this format, you know, see it in a comic is just amazing. You know, and I think the, the medium itself has matured a lot with the subject matter that it handles and um, what it can do and what it can pull off. And I think that's because a lot of the writers and artists now... Um, you know, or second and third generation. They've been reading comics all their life. So there's a lot of foundation that everybody's building off of. And that's just, you know, a natural progression of a medium. I think the fact that there's, um, there are some companies that are willing to, to back, with, um, you know, take the chances on, on riskier things, you, you know, certainly some of the indie comics, the stuff that you see from IDW, for example, um, uh, I think it gives some validation to the medium as well. 
But Most definitely. Um, but, uh, you know, one of the other things that's come up recently is this big, you know, here I am, I'm talking to two men that are, you know, well enough known in the industry that um, you guys have been around for, you know, decades. And easy. Easy. Yeah, well, <laughs> since, since you were a wee lad out there. Um, but, you know, there's this new, this huge, giant movement that I'm sort of in the the eye of with geek, geek girls, that there's geek girls everywhere and we sort of have to prove ourselves as to, oh my God, you read, you know, you don't really read that. You, it, it's like if I say to somebody that I read comics, suddenly I'm getting quizzed um, just because I'm, you know, a woman who likes comics. So, uh, you know, and everybody's defense has been that comics were a male sexual fantasy and that's why the female characters were put in teeny tiny little outfits and why they were written so dumb. So, you know, one of the things is we, we see strong characters like Fallen Angel and Crazy Mary. Um, do you guys jump on board the social cries when you hear this? Do you get on the Twitter and, and express that, you know, not all female characters are complete idiots with giant boobs? Nah. You just want to I just I just work with characters like that, but I don't bother. <laughs> I don't take up all. You know, but you know, I, I think uh, that's why I'm an artist. So just the characters I tend to work with tend to not be uh, gender stereotypes of any kind, whether they be male or female, and uh, they're just not that uh, that you know the, the male fantasy characters. Um, so I don't feel like I need to say that. I mean, I think you know. I, I, feel, I feel the need to say, buy Fallen Angels. Somebody fucking read this book, you know? Um, you know, just because it doesn't get numbers that uh, these these <laughs> other, you know, superhero books get. Um, but th that's pretty much how I answer that question. It's just the, the work I do. That's, that's for me. Yeah. And I'm going to go with something. I mean, JK, when you and I were first doing Trail of Tears, talking about it, and you pretty much saw it exactly the way I saw it, is that Mary isn't that traditional, like, you know, Dolly Parton in Zero Gravity, you know, look. She has a much more, like, athletic body. She looks more like a real... Well, I, I mean, more just, like a real woman. It just... And, and it kind of makes sense to me to have, like, an action hero woman have more of an athletic build. Right. Um, it makes absolutely sense. She's got to be built for the, some of the things she's doing, and, you know... Um, <laughs> it always kind of, even as even as a kid, it kind of bothered me when I saw like acrobatics and these these, these women landing in high heels for yeah. yeah. How the hell does that happen? You know, um, sprained ankle time. Yeah. Well, ne never mind with well, you know the the weight they have to hold up with the with the waist the size of their wrist. That always like you know it just it, it never made sense to me. Uh, in you know just just as far as how physics uh, and. Yeah, and that's why Crazy Mary was was drawn the way she was. You believe she would she would move like that. She looks like she's built for speed. Right. Exactly. It's, it's the it, the Sarah Connor to me. It's this. It's not, new, as, not as not as stringy. And not as stringy, no. But I I think that was the. Yeah. You know, when when Joss Whedon came out with with Buffy as a parody, essentially of this is the little blonde girl get you know that would normally you know, run screaming in terror and end up in her underwear. He did it on purpose, and instead he ended up creating this vision of a, a full, huge cast of female characters 
that had different skill sets to, you know, to, to beat the bad guy or be the bad guy. Um, yeah. And I just think that when we, we see guys like Joss Whedon and, and Peter David, um, you know, it's, I think sometimes a lot of people that criticize comics and femininity are looking in the wrong places. Well, I, I think a lot of people, a lot of general public, kind of feeds off this really old-school um, vision of what comics are. You know, going back to that, you know, I, I think a lot of people that kind of do comics and so forth, really, I mean, they're not readers. So they're going off, you know, all those classic interpretations of what we've seen, you know, of, of those, you know, type of bimbos and uh, the, the muscle-bound steroid heads, you know, that smash people through walls. And, you know, it, it's like, oh, how do you say, like, the people that still call, you know, Star Trek fans Trekkies, you know, right. they're just, they don't get it. They're not part of the club. They don't understand. You know, they're just being, you know, they're just coming yeah. from the point of uh, no knowledge. <laughs> And part of that problem, too, is, is people think of comic books as a genre, not as a media. Right. They're only thinking superheroes. Yeah. And, and it's just as diverse as anything. I mean, you know, it's just diverse as any kind of literature or any kind of media. Um, but it's, you know, but there's words like comic book movie that come out. What they really mean is superhero movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. But that's not what comic books are. You know, cer- certainly not anymore. I mean, that's that's probably where the the big market share is, and I understand why that that perception's there. But that's no, that doesn't make that doesn't make it what it is. You know. Yeah, it, it's a medium, and as JK said, it's a medium, and you can do anything with this medium, which is the beautiful thing about it. You know. Um, I was getting yeah, confused when people say that. Them, what? I was thinking JK talked about. Yeah, I, I was saying I was I always get confused when people say things like that would make a good comic book story. It's like, anything would make a good comic book story. I mean, exactly. media is, is just that diverse. It's just, um, like I said, I guess it's just the the biggest market share tends to be uh, superhero. Yeah. Was it? Yeah, I mean, at least in America, you know, that's what the the major right. market share is. I know it's different in other countries. Thank God. Yeah. Um. So yeah, look at something like Japan. Well, they have everything, you know, from romance stories to horror to, you know, drama to all over the place, you know, and it's all done in, in Manchester, it's all, you know, so what's what, so the one in the Netherlands, like, is it Sweden, that uh, comics are really huge, too, or I want to say maybe uh, Iceland, I'm not sure, I forget which one, but, you know, yeah, it's a medium, and, and the people that criticize it or, you know, create those, like, you know, cliches just don't know. And that's really not what it is anymore. Anyways, Amber, I have a question for you. Um, yeah. There's been a, I've seen a lot more, you know, the advent of cosplay and so forth. Um, do you think women, it's a safer environment now for women to admit that they enjoy comics, the cosplay, like an entry type of process that helps with that? Or what do you think? I, well, the one of the great things about, being in a costume is that it's uh, well. Hopefully, if you're if you're doing it right, um, and I and I don't mean right by your, the craft of it. I mean if you're wearing a costume, it's no different than the guy who's Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny or you know in the Mickey Mouse outfit at the, an amusement park. People will come up to you because they want to, they want to meet you and they want to talk to you. So um, a lot of 
people that I that I know, and in fact, I was one of them. One of the, the first reasons I ever put on a costume was, um, you know, I picked the most mainstream character possible, and that was Wonder Woman. I mean, I had made my own original character first, right? But then, you know, to actually go out somewhere was to to be Wonder Woman, and um, it's for visibility and recognition of who she, you know who that character is, and that you know when I'm in front of the comic book store it's going to ring a bell, hopefully, for people. Right. Uh, right. But wearing something like that, even wearing something like an X-Men outfit, um, I get quizzed. And I'm, uh, you know, I'm not sure why. I don't, you know, I I don't know if they just think, oh, you're just, you know, a girl in a costume like I don't know if this happens to men I, in costumes. I have no idea, <laughs> or if it's just a girl thing. Um, but I think it's a great way to get in. I think, especially like if you've got a girlfriend and you want to bring her to a convention, and you know she's outgoing enough to try something like that. Yeah, you know, especially if she likes something franchise like Star Trek. Right. Right. I, I cool. Yeah, that's that's probably the best thing. I mean, just over the last several years, going to Comic Con every year. I see the cosplay and the female portrait go up significantly. I'm dramatically, sure. yeah. At a quantum leap, dramatically, you know, every year. And it's I very think, good. <laughs> I, yeah, I think there's more acceptance of the the mainstream, like our Western comics, because I think at the anime cons, they're so gender neutral, you know, gender confused. I don't know what it, what to properly say there, but. They the the girls dress as boys and the boys dress as girls at those shows and there's just so many women and there's so many women creators in the anime world so um, I I think, don't know if that's why it's finally balancing out. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess maybe it's just because we've got more wide uh, mainstream acceptance too, you know, yeah. the medium that uh, more people are coming into. It, so. Yeah, um, but it's definitely a good thing. More more women are a good thing. As far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Do you have a favorite convention? Do I have a favorite convention? Yeah. Um, well, I haven't been to a lot of them outside of Comic-Con. I just started going to a lot of different conventions. Um, actually, I really liked Kamikaze last year. That was here in L.A. Um, it was really well organized. It was, it was a good vibe. Everybody I talked to seemed very happy. Good thing with the way it was flowing, and there was good balance of retail and you know artistality and independent stuff. I spent a lot of money there. <laughs> um, you know, Comic Con I think is I don't know. It's kind of a misnomer now. I think both of you guys can agree with me. You know, right. as they even build themselves a pop culture thing. Um, but you know, that's definitely still the huge big place to, to see and be seen and network and have fun and talk to everybody you want to talk to. So. I'd still say probably Comic-Con, but there's a lot of other good ones out there. And where will people be able to find you this year? Online, I'm going to go to Comic-Con, but I don't have a booth or a table or anything like that. Um, Zero One is going to be a Kamikaze at the end of the year, and uh, I don't have the notes in front of me, but I know uh, Josh and Kat are going to appear at uh, a couple other uh, cons, some stuff that's closer to. I think we're going to do Long Beach also. So, um, yeah, I, as as they come in, I'll post them on the website where I'm going to be showing up. But definitely doing Kamikaze and um, 
Anime Expo, too. Zero uh, One will be at Anime Expo. So those are two L.A. shows that I'll be at this year. Okay. I know. How about I know. You, Big Big uh, and I, we'll, we'll both be at Wild Pig, right? Yep, Super Wild Pig, and I got, uh, I guess in a few weeks, C2E2, and Super Wild Pig, and I think I have something after that, but I, I don't, you know, I, I just write these things down on a calendar, I don't really think about it too far in ahead. Yeah, you, you're doing a lot more traveling than I remember you ever doing before. <laughs> well, you did yeah. London. You did London. How was that? I did London, yeah. Well, London, London was great, um, you know, especially for a first year con. Uh, that, that was terrific. Um, and it was busy. <laughs> there were a lot of people there, and, and the whole gang from CGS was there, so that was fun. Um, I'd so love to go to London. I really want to go there at some point to do a con and just everything else. Yeah, it was great. I did a whole week thing. I went to, to um, Malaga, Spain, uh, to see, like, this, this, this is a, like, on Facebook, Club Batman, and they were having, like, right. an art right. show stuff. So I figured, while well, you know, I was close enough. I'd go there and then come back up to London and, and do the con. And it was a good time. And I needed the week off, so it wasn't really a yeah. week off. It was work-related. But still, it's as close to a vacation as I get. So, yeah, that was a good time. But I, I would say my, my favorite con probably still is, is uh, Super Show. Right. So I'm really looking forward to Super Wild Pig because I, I enjoy Wild Pig a lot, too. And this is a combination of the two this year. So I'm really looking forward to that. You got a special deal going on with Super Wild Pig and the other con coming up, right? With Crazy Mary and a Kickstarter. Oh yes, well I'm, I might as well I might as well say that. Um, anybody going to um, uh, Chicago, C two E two, or Super Wild Pig? Uh, if you pitch, uh, what was I saying? Twenty dollars. If you pitch yeah, twenty dollars, or you'll not only get the um, the incentives that are on the website, and there are some good ones there. So check it out. But if if you go to Kickstarter and, and pitch in twenty or more. And you're going to see two each here for Wild Pig. You'll get a free head sketch from me, done in ink paint. That's great. That's, yeah, that's really wonderful. For um, if anybody's on the looking forward on Kickstarter, you just search for Crazy Mary graphic novel and you'll find it. So I, no, I was just talking about your goal that you have, you know, eight thousand dollar goal, and we've seen the success of many other. Kickstarter projects that have been larger, but yet some smaller ones have managed to not make their goal before, and you're at about 1400 of your $8,000 goal. So I was wondering what um, your plans are for making that push as far as, um, like, campaigning. What, you know, this, you, you have to actively be the guy to make this money. Um, well, yeah, our, I mean, now it's doing, like, the podcast and, uh, we actually have a lot of we got a press release and all that showing up on uh, the comic blogs and comic websites. Um, so, I mean, essentially, we've gotten a lot of the people that we know personally, and now we're doing all the stuff to get the people that don't know us personally, what would be attracted to the project. So that's that's a big point. And actually, we've done a lot of research um, with the help of Jason Brubaker, who does uh, Remind. He mm -hmm. published a really good uh, blog about how to deal with Kickstarter, you know, and the best way to do it and uh, what to expect as you go along. So it's actually following the arc of what's exactly expected for, uh, you know, a, a kind of an unknown property. You know, so uh, we're going along pretty good. But, you know, of course, JK is an MVP as far as uh, getting the word out, and uh, it's been carrying a lot of weight with our press release and so forth. 
Um, and I've been throwing out extra incentives too, which which helps because uh, when when you go to cons, the first thing they want is uh, uh, they want to get on the commission list. And the way yeah. I'm not going to commission list at these two cons because I'm too busy, but uh, by offering the, that incentive, it's like a guaranteed way to get on that commission list. Yeah, and I'm throwing stuff in like you know every once in a while I'm going to say like the the first three people. In fact, I got it going right now that that pledge fifty dollars or more. You know, we're throwing in something extra. You know, Why don't you talk about the regular incentives that, that you have on? Oh yeah, I'll talk about the regular incentives. Well, we got the at twenty dollars. It's the, um, the graphic novel itself. It'll be signed by uh, me. Um, I think Josh will probably sign them too. Then uh, you have uh, the next incentive. You get a uh, print of the new cover, which I've been putting on Twitter. Uh, I don't know if you have a, a, a picture of it or not. Uh, yeah. Bit. But uh, yeah, it's JK's new cover, and um, then we have like. Uh, shot glasses that you get, I think, at the fifty at the fifty dollar mark. Uh, Seventy five. Yeah, I have to say that that's the first time I've ever noticed shot glasses as a Kickstarter incentive. So kudos. We, thank you. We, it's just surprising considering you know how much everyone loves the print. Um, I know. <laughs> but uh, it's actually JK. It's the um, image that you did for the second Crazy Mary story for ID um, for DWP. Josh, uh, I don't know if you've seen the picture, but Josh took you know Crazy Mary standing at the billboard and turned it uh-huh. into like a line, a line drawing, and that's what he did. It looks fantastic. Oh, really? Then, oh, I yeah. just assumed it was the logo. Uh, it's a logo on one side, and then Crazy Mary on the other. I'll, I'll text you. I'll text okay, you. I want one. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. All right. Um, at seventy-five, there's the pinup book, which has um, pinup stuff, pinup art from several different artists, including J.K.'s cover work. Josh Finney did one. Um, Giannis, I can't even attempt to pronounce his last name. Giannis, uh, that did Old City Blues. He's done one. Um, Makuzuku has done a gorgeous, uh, a gorgeous pinup in Crazy Mary. Several other artists. Dean Stahl's one is going to be in there. Uh, Ryan Sargent has one. Um, and I've been posting them on Twitter and on Facebook to uh, see the images. Then you start to get into stuff like commission sketches. Um, like $200 is a commission sketch with up to two people from JK, and uh, there's also commission sketches from uh, William Blankenship and Ryan Sargent. They're all doing them. And then, like 500, there's the two pages that JK did, the new ones he did, are going to be um, up there for the $500 uh, pledges. And um, I'm sure I forgot something, but it's all there on the Kickstarter website. That's, that's the, the meat and potatoes of it. There's some pretty cool, uh, pretty cool incentives in there. Okay. Absolutely. It- is there anything that you're doing? Um, because pushing an indie book is a different marketing style, I think, than pushing a, a mainstream book. So we were talking about comiXology and digital apps and that you have the digital book as part of the incentive as well. Um, is there any way that you're connecting to the, the retailer market? Um, not really. I mean, I didn't know if, like, if you're going to, like, are you going to go to a comic shops and do signings and, a, and that kind of a thing, or are you just well, looking to a different path? Yeah, for the graphic novel, we're definitely doing the retail route. I mean, we're recording comic book stores. We're also recording Amazon and what few bookstores there are still available. Um, right. So, really, the, the big physical manifestation of it will be the graphic novel. Beyond that, you'll be seeing... The, the single stuff in uh, like digital format. 
then of course you'll be able to get in digital format too. But if we do a signing tour, Mike, I want my own trailer. So <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, okay. So I didn't know if you knew that trailer. or not. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, uh, you know, I mean, it's different now. Like you said, JK, there isn't spinner racks. They're not showing up in grocery stores. And a lot of comic book stores are doing, you know, very, very holding on just by doing, you know, keeping up with uh, what the regular superhero stuff is. So, you know, you got to find a different way, you know, the audience out there, they just, you know, we have to reach them in a different way. And it's not the people that are, I mean, people that are going to be in comic book stores are still going to be into it, but, you know, it's hard, it's a hard fight to get in there. So now that there's so many outlets, you know, you do the digital and then when graphic novel comes out, that's like, you know, it's kind of a wild, wild west as far as the, the distribution goes. So I, I've been saying constantly that as far as like distributing, it's a level playing field now. And the only problem is like big companies can afford to do some real marketing and where indie comics have to do grassroots. I mean, there's a lot of the, there's a lot of things available to do the grassroots marketing. It's just, you got to hustle a lot more. You can't sit back and let a whole, you know, um, marketing department for Marvel comics, you know, talk up the comics and just keep work hard. And you know, this more than anyone's right there. You know, um, you know, you got to hustle yourself. A lot more. So yeah. that's I, I think that's that's the real difference between what you got what you got to deal with with being with a big one of the big three or doing it yourself. I just think you really just got to market yourself. Oh, that's I don't know what that noise is, but <laughs> like doing work and actually you know working and actually being on a podcast. What is the noise? I don't know what that is. Oh, that's uh the grips are actually taking down a green screen that's on pulleys. But they kind of on the ground. I thought it was a pterodactyl. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, you're right, it is a pterodactyl. Oh my never see those in LA very much anymore. <laughs> um anyways. Well, I, I, so I was wondering, so since you're out there in Hollywood land and you're having a fabulous time up there on your crane thing, uh, have you given any thought to the Crazy Mary uh, TV series or movie? Who who would you want to see play Crazy Mary? Oh, goodness. Um, no one's come up recently. Um, it used to be, uh, what's her name? God, the one that was in uh, Blade Trinity. Um and dating Justin Timberlake. She was oh, the last Jessica, one I... Jessica Biel. Yeah, Jessica Biel. Um, she was the last one, especially after seeing her in Blade Trinity, to say, oh, yeah, she'd be a great... She has a look of Grace Mary. But um, I haven't seen any particular actresses that make me go, oh. And it's also not a good thing to actually try and pay, pinhole it. You know, right. Or, well, sure. You know, I mean, well, she's being drawn one way anyway, so she's being drawn, you know... Several different ways, Seven, but yeah. it, I, I'm sure there's plenty. I'm sure if I come up with one, I'd, I'd be saying it on Twitter. I have to do some work. Actually, the um, the girl that's going to be the new companion for Doctor Who kind of has a look, although she looks a little, you know, pixie-ish at the moment. But, um, she actually kind of has a look of uh, what Crazy Mary looks like. So, wish I could remember that. <laughs> but uh, you no, promised me the role of Loki, right? I just wanted to take Yeah, you got the... Okay. Okay, I did model tweak after you. <laughs> well, you model tweak oh, after you. 
Well, no, no, actually, yeah. In the, if you look at the cover, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but that was only because you, yeah, in the script, you pretty much described me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Originally, it was uh, roughly it was based on William Lynch, creator Sip on Ollie. Um, I sort of based the character first off on that, but you know, after I met you, he's just like, oh yeah, he's definitely tweak, and give him a, a little bit more of a, a tougher punk, uh, tougher punk looks. But so, tweak, yeah, tweak kind, kind of changes his appearance, doesn't he? Isn't that you know doesn't he kind of change based on uh, what he's on? Yeah, 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 yeah. His baseline image is is kind of cute. And then, you know, whatever he happens to be seeing while he's on sync, you know, he'd wear a cowboy hat or start talking like Alton Brown, you know, or something from Food Network. <laughs> it just depends on what he happens to come across. He's one of my favorite post uh, nation characters because of that. <laughs> he's, he's constantly in a state of flux. You never know what you're going to get with that character. Yeah, yeah, which is part of the fun of writing him, actually, because I have to use different language every time. And I, ha- I have to make it fun, but not too gimmicky which is interesting to me, but uh, it's always fun writing him because he's such a, uh, just a lunatic character, which makes him a lot, makes him very enjoyable to write, and a little bit more challenging to write in certain ways, too. So, J.K., but why... But he does look like you. <laughs> he looks... Well, it's not the first time we would see a character that looks like J.K. in a comic, so... Um, so, so now I have to ask the... the question everybody wants to know the answer to. Why won't you sing Paradise by the Dashboard Light with Mike? I actually, you know what? I actually don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I, I know I had this conversation with Mike before. Um, if I remember, I, was, I think I was drinking. Um, I, no. I, like, yeah. I think my answer might have been because he wants me to sing the bitch part, and I don't want to sing the bitch part. Is it, was yeah, that well, it, Mike? Believe, I, yeah, it was part of that. Um, I also had the physique of meatloaf, so... So, yeah, okay, so I look more like Meatloaf. It just should be natural that you'd be singing the, the female part. But, uh, <laughs> tell you what, when you come back out to LA, I'll take you to Porn Star Karaoke and we'll do Paradise by the Dashboard Light. But uh, we were going to do it at Super Show. I was, I was hassling you to do it at Super Show last year and they never did the karaoke. Yeah, but the thing about karaoke that makes me not want to do it anymore is, is it does find its way on the internet somehow. <laughs> that's the joy that's part of the joy yeah I wrote a video I mean come on man that's going to do more you know the, do for your career than uh, you know doing three Doctor Who Star Trek Next Generation crossovers <laughs> there you go point. I, I do have a video of me singing um, Total Eclipse of the Heart which I have not exactly had the uh, courage to put on the internet yet Oh, goodness. Well, haven't, haven't you told me now I've never witnessed this, but he's told me before that he can't, can't be in the same room as karaoke without doing that song every time. It is my, go- it is my go-to song, and yeah. it is the one I will always do first. And uh, then probably after that, his baby got back from Sir mix <laughs> So for our $1,000 contributors to the Kickstarter campaign, you, we, it, whoever can put that money up, then Mike will, will publish the videos of him doing the karaoke. Hell, he'll give you a private I, I, show. That sounds great. We'll, we'll, I'll throw on the, um, the Total Eclipse of the Heart video, and then next time I'm with JK, we'll do Paradise by the Dashboard Light. If you contribute $1,000, I will get J, uh, JK drunk enough to actually sing Paradise by the Dashboard Light. If somebody pitches $1,000, you don't have to get me drunk. I'll do it. 
right. We, we will expect a revised uh, incentive program to be posted next week. As long as I can wear a purple wig when I do it. You can Absolutely. wear whatever you want. Yeah. And a mini dress. I will I, I will design your outfit if you like. <laughs> oh, oh, he's wearing a pickle right now, bag. guy with too much money is writing a check. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh. All right, well, that about, I think, you know, covers all of our, the bases we could possibly expect to cover for talking about Crazy Mary. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you guys so much. It's been uh, Mike Colbert, the creator of Crazy Mary, and J.K. Woodward. Um, do you guys want to give out your websites real quick? Go ahead, J.K., you first. Uh, I got uh, jkwoodward.com, which is an easy one, and then I got uh, jkwoodwardart.blogspot.com, which is updated more frequently. Okay. Okay. On, I'm on and Twitter and Facebook. Me. Oh, yeah. And find them on Facebook, Twitter and Facebook. Uh, me, it's uh, crazymarycomic.com, and you can link to the Kickstarter site from there. There's also yeah. Zero One Publishing, which has a great picture of me dressed as a pirate in my biography picture. And um, I'm on Twitter and Facebook uh, under Logos728. That's L-O-G-O-S-728. And uh, I'm also on Formspring and uh, Instagram and all those kinds of stuff. But there's buttons on my website so you can find all that stuff. So there you go. Great. Oh, guys, thank you so much. And good luck with the campaign. Um, I wish you all the, all the luck there. You've got 47 days to go. So um, hopefully we'll be seeing Crazy Mary soon. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Amber. All thank right, guys. It's been Amber Love from AmberUnmasked.com. And if uh, if you have any questions, I'll put the links up in the show notes and all that good stuff. And um, if anybody has questions, I will try to get them directed to these creators, and maybe they'll be able to get back to you. Absolutely. We'd love to hear from you. Fantastic.